Father, thank you for music. And thank you for the, the joy of being able to sing together. Thank you for um, the variety and the richness of voices, for the ability to sing praise to you. God, we thank you that you have spoken to us. And we ask that you would use our time in your word to um, give us wisdom and understanding into who you are. Um, and then let us respond appropriately to what you have said. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And would you remain standing as we continue um, our time in our, our statement of faith? And we are, are moving into uh, number six in the Holy Spirit. Spend uh, two or three weeks talking about uh, who He is and what He has done and what He does for us. So would you uh, say together with me this part of our statement of faith? We believe that the Holy Spirit, in all that He does, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He regenerates sinners. And in Him, they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. You may be seated. And again, this morning, we're going to be in several places. We're going to begin in John 14, but we're going to be in John and Romans and 1 Corinthians, um, as well as in the book of Acts. Um, one of the things that was, and still difficult, it was difficult for me to learn, it still is difficult for me to learn, is um, it's often easy to assume something. When I first began teaching, I, I assumed that kids coming into a certain grade actually knew the stuff that they said they were supposed to know from... So you'd start talking and you'd get these blank stares and, and they don't, they're not tracking with me. Um, they don't have the experience or the prior knowledge or they don't define a term the way I define a term and so they're, they're not in the same page that I am. Uh, and so when you assume things, it, you can make a mess of, of an hour or a day. And so um, as we've talked about our statement of faith, there's a lot that's up there. But there's some stuff that undergirds that that I don't want to assume. So I want to back up a little bit this morning um, and talk about really just who the Holy Spirit is. Um, we believe as Christians that the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Trinity. And so therefore, He is personal. He's not this inanimate force, kind of like Star Wars, that sort of is this radar beam that comes down and, and moves and guides. Um, he's not just this, this still small voice that leads and guides and directs, though He is. Um, he is personal. He is a person. He is part of the Trinity. Um, always has been from eternity past. Um, no less worthy of our praise and adoration than the Father and the Son though we will talk about, especially that the first part of that phrase in the statement of faith, um, in all that he does, he glorifies the Lord Jesus. But in the Trinity, those three members have all um, willingly taken on um, roles, so to speak, of submission um, and of authority towards one to another. And we'll talk about that. Um, but he is personal. And so I want to kind of flesh that out for you this morning. And again, not assuming that we understand that, um, just in human language, we talk about uh, someone as, as a person, and we talk about us as someone who has um, a mind, an emotion, 
and will. Sometimes people break up humanity that way. We have a mind, we have intellect, uh, we have emotion, we, we feel things and experience things, and we have a will. We make decisions. Um, and the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit that way, not as an impersonal force, but as a person in personal terms, uh, in relational terms, so to speak. And so I want to talk about um, that this morning and, and kind of work through those things. Um, and then a response of, of so what. Uh, so first of all, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being personal, He does have an, an intellect, an intelligence, uh, a mind, so to speak. Um, and so I want to walk through just some verses. Normally we take a passage and kind of walk through it, but we're going to bounce around some this morning. So in John 14, uh, verse 26, uh, as Jesus is talking about the Spirit, He says, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And so we see um, that the Holy Spirit is a, a teacher. He communicates. There's, a, there's an intelligence to someone who can take information and impart it to someone else. So the Holy Spirit is, is personal. He teaches. Um, just down a few verses in John fifteen twenty six. Again, a lot of 14 and 15 is about the Spirit. When the Helper comes, again, the idea from talking about the same person from 14, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me. The idea is that, that people testify. They uh, declare something to be true, and He is going to continue to speak to you, talking to the disciples, and ultimately to us, um, about who Jesus is. So there's this idea of, of testifying. Over uh, a couple of books to Romans chapter 8. Same idea, but now not just the disciples. We, we can read 14 and 15 and think, well, but that doesn't apply to me. The Holy Spirit was something special just for those people. But, but Paul then takes that idea and um, really applies it to us in, in Romans 8.16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Again, there's this idea that the Holy Spirit um, not only testifies, but in one sense brings comfort and brings assurance to us. Continues on in, in just a few verses down, Romans eight twenty seven, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he, the Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So there's this someone who is praying for us, the Spirit of God, he intercedes for us. Again, there's this idea of intellect, mind, intelligence, um, doing what people do, teaching, testifying, interceding. It's a, a personal God that we serve and desires to relate to us, and so He does that through His Spirit. But it's not just the mind. It doesn't just... There is... And it's confusing to me because we, we talk of God as being... Theologians talk of God as being sort of without emotion, that He is who He is, and we can't... We don't have the ability to change Him. We don't have the ability to 
affect him. We don't have the ability to make him sad or glad because he is content within himself. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are always joyful because he's in his own presence, if I may use that kind of language. But as the, the Bible speaks to us about our relationship with him, it necessarily at times uses emotion-like words. You read through the Old Testament and you hear God crying out and calling and longing for His people. There's this emotion, it seems, in God that, that desires and wants to relate to His people. And so we get that emotional language, even if that may not be exactly right, God is trying to communicate to us that there is a relationship that goes on. So in Ephesians chapter 4... Um, Paul is, is talking, and he's in this section where he, he tells them not to do something, and he says why, and then he gives them something to do. And one of the things that, that Paul says, beginning in verse 30 to the Ephesians, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So there's the idea that, that we can somehow affect Him. And again, we intellectually know we can't change God, but there's this idea that that when we do things that, that aren't in line with His desire for us, there's this, whatever that looks like for God to grieve, um, it really is in my mind hard to fathom. This God who is perfectly content, perfectly joyful. How do we possibly affect that? Somehow that's tied into the cross and that Jesus paid for all of that sin all of the grief of the sin that we cause somehow found its, its locus, its, its focus, its, its main fleshing out of, of who God is and why He's done what He's done for us on the cross. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So somehow there's this idea that, that God through His Spirit, as we read in the first part of Ephesians, has sealed us, has marked us, has says, you're my own. And that our, our sin somehow mars and, and affects that seal. And probably, certainly not for us because we're secure in His hands. But I'm assuming as other people look at our lives and says, well, that doesn't match up with with what you say you are. And part of that sin is what was taken care of on the cross. Part of our inconsistency, part of our hypocrisy. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not continue to add to the weight of what was already on the cross. The writer of Hebrews, um, very similar language in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 um, Again, the writer of Hebrews trying to trying to communicate what I think is is relatively uncommunicatable. Um, knowing our security in Christ, he says, "How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and insulted the Spirit of grace, that somehow God can be insulted. He asked this question, how much severe punishment do you think 
would deserve, comparing it to in the Old Testament when you sinned, in most sin, with, there's, there's a punishment of death. Right? You go against God's word, there has to be a sacrifice or it's you. Right? How much severe punishment do you deserve for trampling the Son of God, thinking the blood of the covenant, the cross, is somehow unclean, that I can just ignore that? And I would insult the Spirit of grace. It's an insult that He's given us this grace, and yet I just say, well, I'll just take advantage of that. And that really should make us pause. How much severe punishment? Well, you do, we do. We do deserve death when we trample the Son of God underfoot, when we insult the Spirit of grace, when we consider unclean the blood of the covenant. And again, that leads us back to the cross. Even that was paid for. And it really should begin to make us wonder, what is this thing that God has done for us? But the idea that, that in language that we, can try, that we can begin to grasp, we've insulted God. The, the one who really can't be insulted because he's perfectly content in himself, right? And yet the Bible tries to speak to us in language that wants us to say, there's a relationship there. This is a personal God. The Spirit is personal that lives and dwells in you. So there's this idea, of, there's this mind, there's an idea of an emotion, and then there's an idea of, of will, of decision-making. And so we look in Acts, um, and there's just, there's over and over again, the Spirit is, is talked about as um, one who leads, guides, and directs and makes decisions. Beginning in uh, chapter 8 of Acts, um, Verse 29, the Spirit is sort of the, the person of the Trinity who sort of takes over and is the one who is, seems to be actively involved in the church. Verse 29, then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. Philip's just, what do I do? He's, he's been sent to this odd place and he's thinking, here comes this, this official from down in Africa, what do I do? And the Spirit says, go join him. So the Spirit is, is speaking. He's telling people what to do. There's this idea of, of will involved. A couple of chapters over in, in chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas and several have joined together. There's a church in Antioch which is fixing to become sort of the hub of the church's expansion as it goes west the place where the missionary effort begins and it's sort of the mother church of lots of the churches that Paul plants. And it says, While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Spirit is spoken of as someone who calls, makes a decision and says, I, I want you, I want you, I want you. He's calling people out to do a certain task. Not that Paul and Barnabas were any more spiritual. They were all ministering to the Lord, whatever that means. <laughs> how, do you, how do you minister to God? But as they prayed and fasted, um, God called them out. Again, a couple of chapters over in chapter 15, verse 28. Um, the, the Council of Jerusalem, they're writing a letter to the Gentile believers. Uh, the issue of, do you have to become a Jew first before you become a Christian? For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that there's this idea of, of 
Spirit making decisions and guiding the believer's decisions of helping them think through what's right and what's wrong. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. There's decision making that's going on. A few verses down in, in chapter 16, um, verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian regions, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. He prevents us from doing things. There's a, no, don't do this, you need to do that. It's not um, flipping a coin, going, what should we do? The Holy Spirit was actively involved in leading and guiding because um, Paul thought, well, surely this is where we're supposed to go. We all know that man's wisdom can get us into trouble. But thankfully, in the process, he was depending upon God, and so the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding and directing. 1 Corinthians 12, a familiar passage about um, how God has equipped each one of us. Whoops, not 2 Corinthians 12. That's not the right one. In verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. There's this determination. He's made a choice. The Holy Spirit, and, and however that works, that God has, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has given that task to the Holy Spirit. How is He going to equip Jeff? How is he going to equip Beth? How is he going to equip Amy? Just as he wills, he distributes gifts to us. And that's encouraging. Because it's not just that I have this random gift and, and sometimes you, you may wonder, well, did, did, was it, did you just draw it out of a hat? Back in, in ancient Greece and Athens, it was truly a democracy and every year... Um, they literally would. They had all these government uh, positions. And because it was truly a democracy, they would put all the eligible names and they would literally draw out. Howard, you're the trash collector this year. Dottie, you're the mayor this year. Jim, you're in charge of finances this year, right? Can you imagine, right? Sometimes that probably would go really well and sometimes that probably would go really poorly is things weren't matched up, right? We don't believe, like the evolutionists, that you are just a random mixture of DNA. You have been formed and created as the Spirit willed to make you who you are, that God could use you for the works that He has prepared in advance for you to do. And that's encouraging. So one more, we back up, back into John again. Um, so he has uh, intellect, he has emotion, he has will. But then kind of the fourth thing is he's spoken of personally just like Jesus is personal. So I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. In other words, another one just like I am, another helper like I've been your helper, but I'm going away because I can't be every place at once when he was physically walking around. And so God the Spirit is going to indwell humanity. 
And then that, that wonderful phrase that He may be with you forever. It's the same thing that Jesus, when He called the twelve, He appointed twelve that they might be with Him, that He might send them out, right? Well, we all can't be with Jesus. We all couldn't walk with Him because that was 2,000 years ago and about 12,000 miles away, right? So it's impossible for us to be with Jesus the same way the disciples were with Jesus, and yet those exact same words, I'm going to send another helper that He might be with you so that we could be with Him, so that we could approach the throne of grace with confidence. So what? Um, What does it have to do with me today in the 21st century? Let's look briefly at Romans, again, back in Romans when he's talking about the Spirit in chapter 8. Because there's this phrase that I've read a million times and I sometimes you just read over things and then as you're thinking about something, it kind of hits you and you kind of go, oh. We've been talking, we sung a lot this morning about nature responding to God's command. Several of those songs were about how nature does what it's supposed to do. Right? And so Paul writes these words. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. I don't know how many times I've read that. But this week as I read that, the question says, do those things match up in your life? You say you're a son of God. Are you constantly being led by the Spirit of God? And I have to ask myself, that's, that's sort of one of the things we can, we can look at our own lives and go, and we should ask that question. Am I, am I a, a son or a daughter of God? If so, then I should be being led by Him. And if not, there, there are two reasons why not. Well, I've, I've either been deceived, right? I'm, I'm somehow, I've, I've lied to myself believing that, that I can do it, or I'm stuck in sin and, and have not allowed God to walk me out of that, or I'm not really a child of God, right? And so as, as Paul says, we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to ask ourselves that question. Am I, am I a child of God? Because He will be, He wants to lead us. And so two big responses this morning. Number one, just as we briefly talked about that, again, don't want to make those assumptions, but our first response is that we should worship God because He is personally involved in our lives. It is a personal relationship that we have with God the Father, by the blood of Jesus Christ through the indwelling power of the Spirit. As we've said before, if there is no such thing as Trinity, you don't really have salvation. Because each one of those persons is intimately involved in our salvation and our ongoing relationship. And so we worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we should think about this week as we go out is... Am I worshiping God for what He has done 
for me and what He is still doing day in and day out by allowing His Spirit to dwell in me and to lead and guide and teach and interact and speak and prevent. So number one, am I worshiping God because He is personally involved in my life? And number two, will I obey God as we've talked about before, because um, by this we gain assurance of our place in the family. Exercising faith, being obedient, actually grows our faith, as we've talked about from Romans 4 and Life of Abraham. That, That idea of worship and exercising faith and praising God grows our faith. But obedience brings about assurance that we're part of God's family. And the idea that we need each other to come alongside each other, to keep each other accountable. I need you. You need each other. We need people to come along and say, you're my brother and sister in Christ. You're part of the family of God. How can I help you be more obedient? How can I help you to listen day by day, moment by moment to the Spirit's leading? And oftentimes these aren't big, miraculous, wonderful things. Sometimes they are. Most of the time it is very simple day in and day out promptings of the Spirit to respond to people in kindness and love and patience. Those are the very simple things of honesty, joy, those fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Very simple. Nine simple words, but a, a lifetime sometimes to... But, it, but as we walk in the Spirit, as we listen, as we obey, as we, as we begin to say, okay, I want to sense your presence, I want to sense your prompting, God, He'll do that. And you know that. You know when something's come out of your mouth that you go, oh. And at that point in time, it's, am I willing to repent right then, apologize if necessary, and begin that process of practicing God's presence in our life? Because the Holy Spirit is personal, we have not only the ability, but the privilege, the obligation to worship God because of who He is and what He's done for us. And then also, the opportunity to obey, again, as a testimony, His Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. And that comes about as we're led by the Spirit. So as we go out this week, would you spend time worshiping God for what He's done for us? And then asking Him, God, where have I not been willing to be led by You? Where have I been stubborn and dug in my heels and said no? And God, would you help me today, tomorrow, this afternoon when I walk out the door to hear your voice and to respond in faith? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, who you are. That you are the sovereign creator of the universe that keeps the sun coming up and going down that aligns the planets and turns the earth so that the moon rises and sets and changes shape month in and month out. 
that the seeds from tomato plants actually produce tomato plants time and time again because you've commanded them to do that and they obey. We praise you that you are sovereign, Father. And we praise you, Jesus, because you came and died for us. You revealed to us what the Father looks like. And so we praise you for giving and serving and loving and giving us an example, but also for giving our sins through your blood. And we praise you, God the Spirit, for indwelling us, for revealing the Father to us, for allowing us to understand what it means to be forgiven, what it means to be adopted into the family of God, and for leading and guiding and directing us. And I pray that you would do that with these dear brothers and sisters this week. May we walk with you. May we be obedient. May we be joyful in our worship. And may those we come in contact with uh, see you uh, and, and praise you because of what you've done. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>